Still anointed. I was talking about the pulpit, not me. But but I hope I'm anointed too. Amen. I want to read my text to you, and then we're going to share a little short video. Real short. It's about a minute and a half. But as I prayed about this service today, the Lord laid this message on my heart from Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14, and this is from the New King James translation. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Father, add your anointing unto your word today as it goes forth and accomplish what you please and we will give you all the praise. We love you with all our heart. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Excuse me, young man. What is it that you were doing? Throwing starfish into the ocean. Then I must ask, why are you throwing starfish into the ocean? The sun is up and the tide is going down. If I don't throw them in, they'll die. But young man, do you not realize that there are miles and miles of beach and starfish along each mile? It can't possibly make a difference. It made a difference for that one. suppose most of us are familiar with the story of the boy throwing the starfish back into the ocean. He recognized that although he could not save all the starfish that morning, his simple actions were making a difference in those starfish he could save. Our calling is not to save the whole world, although it is God's perfect will for the whole world to be saved. Our calling is to do what we can to positively impact everyone that God allows us to encounter in this world. We are called to make a difference in the lives of everyone we come into contact with. Can we save them all? No. We can't save any of them. The God we serve, however, has called us to make an investment in the process of their salvation by being his obedient servants. In Zechariah 4 and 10, the Bible tells us not to despise the small things. Hallelujah. 
Some translations say small beginnings. How many of you know we all began as a small beginning? <laughs> Almost microscopic. The problem with many of us in the church is that our flesh aspires to do big things for God. Our society tells us to dream big. Even in church circles, we encourage people to dream big as though dreaming somehow ensures big successes. I would suggest to you that God probably doesn't call most of us to dream big. He calls us to be faithfully obedient to whatever task he presents to us. In my pastoral experience, and many of you have been a great part of that, big dreamers have the tendency to burn out rather quickly. They get discouraged when their dreams don't come to pass. And unfortunately, many of them cease to do what they can do because they're so frustrated by what they cannot do or what they have not achieved. Big dreams are often motivated by fleshly desires to be big shots. Amen? It's true. Fleshly desires, no matter how noble they may sound, will always lead to frustration, futility, and failure because God's not interested in us being big shots. Joseph the dreamer did not become governor of Egypt because of his dreams. Joseph became governor of Egypt because of his faithfulness to God in the most difficult and trying times of his life. Do you understand that he ministered in lowly, dark places long before he ministered in palaces? His dreams were not his dreams. They were God's dreams. But sometimes our dreams literally get in the way of us being obedient to God. Most of us know that the Bible teaches the joy of the Lord is our strength. We find that in Nehemiah 8 and 10. On April 19th of 2015, and yes, I still have her sermons going back about 10 years that I can look upon because I still preach to myself sometimes. 2015, I preached a message entitled Joy Busters. I, I don't expect any of you to remember it. I, most of you probably didn't remember it two weeks after I preached it because our mind just doesn't hold on to all of those things, you know. But the truth of the matter is in that message I shared three major sources for joy leaking out of our hearts. Three reasons why so many Christians lose their joy. One is unconfessed sin. God will never allow one of his kids to be content with unconfessed sin in their life. No matter how well we cover it up or hide it publicly, God loves us too much to allow us to live in peace with our sins. The guilt drives us crazy. Number two is unresolved conflict. I was sitting in a church service in Cleveland, Tennessee just a couple weeks ago in the midst of a glorious move of the Holy Spirit. 
we were at my son's church in, in Tennessee, and, and uh, they have a big choir, and it's a beautiful service, and, and the worship team was singing, and the Spirit of God was moving in that place, and they were singing a song about grace. Actually, it's a song I'd never heard before, and, and uh, hopefully someday we'll sing it here, but they were singing about God's grace. Not amazing grace, but it is amazing grace, but this new song that they were singing this just began to, to sweep, the Spirit began to sweep over that congregation. People were feeling the presence of the Lord in an awesome and in a, and in a mighty way. And, and then the Holy Spirit put an unusual thought into my mind in the, in the midst of me literally crying and worshiping the Lord. God said to me, when you get to heaven, you're going to be excited to see Earl Aldridge. You say, who's Earl Aldridge? Earl Aldridge is my former brother-in-law who murdered my sister back in 1977. I would be excited to see him. Yeah. Because many years later, as he was dying of cancer, the grace of God was extended to him one more time. And he confessed his sins. He confessed he was a sinner. But he not only confessed his sins, he repented of his sins. And the last, I believe, six months of his life, he lived as a Christian. Now, for some of you, that may be hard to rationalize, but my sister and my former brother-in-law are together in heaven, and it's because of the grace of God. And when God brought that into my mind that morning, it reminded me of how important it is to not live with conflict in our life. We've got to give it to the Lord. And even if people don't deserve our forgiveness, we don't forgive people because they deserve it. We forgive people because we need to be set free. It's a heavy burden to carry. And many people lose the joy of their salvation and the peace of God because they simply can't obey the Lord to let go of stuff that has happened in their life. But I want to tell you, in this world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. Jesus said, I've overcome the world. And because he has overcome the world, we can overcome the world. And no matter what we have gone through, we can find joy and peace. And yes, even happiness in the Lord. Hallelujah. When we choose to obey him. The third reason many Christians have little or no joy for ministry is because of unfulfilled expectations. In Galatians 5, and 23, God tells us that love, joy, and peace are to be the fruit of a spirit-led life. If we walk in the flesh, we desire vain glory, and there's nothing vainer than wanting to be a big shot in God's kingdom when he deserves all the glory, amen? A spirit walk is a walk of humility that actually leads to advancement and progress for the kingdom rather than self-promotion. Many of you have heard me say on a number of occasions, imagine how much could be done in the kingdom of God if we quit worrying about who got the credit and we just fulfilled our responsibilities. We fulfilled our calling. We did what God called us to do. It is important 
that we walk in his spirit. Because Galatians 5 and 26 says, let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another and envying one another. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Our text tells us that we must forget those things that are behind us, the fleshly vain thinking and living and press toward those things which are ahead, the spiritual fruit that impacts our fellow man. And it says press, press, press toward the prize of the upward call of God. Our calling is to make a difference through personal spiritual service, not just through Church events, but in our everyday lives, somebody say amen. A bunch of us wore one of these t-shirts a couple weeks ago. If I can get it right side up. And that's an awesome thing. It was an awesome event. God will use those small beginnings to make a difference in lives. Amen. Some of you a few years back were wearing this t-shirt. So you don't throw away t-shirts, do you? <laughs> no, wait till you see what I got in there. No. <laughs> I don't throw away very many t-shirts. You wore this t-shirt. And you went out west, many of you, many of you, many of our young people went out west witnessing and working for the Lord. You guys labored for God. And that was an awesome thing. My thought is, how much laboring have you done since you got back? It's easy to get involved in events. Hello? Some of you have been wearing this T-shirt, and I don't even know if you can see it real well. I know I couldn't if I was sitting back there. But this is a brotherhood T-shirt. Thank God for our men's ministry and the brotherhood. How awesome it is. Some of you still wear this T-shirt. Says What? What? If you can read it, say it. Called to serve. This isn't a t-shirt for church. Oh, we can wear it to church. How many of you wear it outside of church? How much serving do we do in our community when it's not an event? This beautiful t-shirt was made for me. And I love it. I've had, a lot, I've had a lot of people ask me, that is so beautiful. Where did you get that? I said, it's a gift. The gift of God is a gift. And you get to share the gift of Jesus with others. Hallelujah. Can we have one more in here? Oh, yeah. Can you see what it says? Be the church. What an incredible idea. Be the church. Although we're not the church when we're just by ourselves. We're the church when we gather together. But we're also the church as we go out two by two, three by three, family by family into our neighborhoods and into our workplaces and into our schools and, 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 and wherever that we can go and do what? Throw starfish back into the ocean, huh? Yeah. Make 
a difference. Romans 12 and Pastor Dina shared this verse a couple weeks ago. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Many of you can quote this scripture. Holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And some translations say your reasonable worship. Service and sacrifice become a burden instead of a privilege if we're not worshipers. Worshippers see everything we do for God, no matter how small, as reasonable ministry. Joy doesn't come because somebody notices what you're doing. In fact, when we used to get together on work days, we would have fun as long as nobody brought up who wasn't there. As long as us that were there, we're just working and, and uh, eating donuts and drinking coffee in the morning to get some sugar in us and stimulate us and, and having sloppy joes or pizza at lunchtime or whatever it was that, you know, that we were doing uh, to, to feed ourselves as we work that day. Some of the greatest memories I have of the 27 years I pastored this church were work days where we were working. Some of us were sweating. But it was great. Because we knew why we were here, for the glory of God. Do you realize as a Christian, everything you do should be for the glory of God? Everything you do, because you represent him in this world. The Bible teaches us that we're his representative body on earth. And if we are truly worshipers, that it's not a matter of just being a part of a, of a crowd or a group at an event, but it's a part of living our life in a way that blesses others. Now, I didn't say bless them out because we're all tempted to do that sometimes. When I went to my daughter, our granddaughter's wedding in Tennessee, literally a guy came onto the highway and pulled right into my lane and I had to go off the road to keep him from running over me. In his car. And a few choice words came to my mind. None of them four letter. Idiot isn't four letter, is it? No. Okay. But I looked at my wife and said, wow, he must be in a hurry to get somewhere. Because I had to catch myself. Because my flesh wasn't feeling glorious. But I had to stop. Because I realize that God sees everything. There is no private me when it comes to God. And there's no private you when it comes to God. He sees it all. And he's called us to what? To be a blessing. To make a difference. And, and I should say positive it's because we're going to make a difference. But he wants it to be a positive difference. Don't be discouraged if you're not turning the world upside down like the New Testament disciples. Man, I've seen hundreds of people get saved and get excited about doing great things for God. And I'm not trying to discourage you from doing great things. I'm simply saying don't let the desire for great things keep you from ordinary things that make a difference 
in people's lives. Somebody say amen. The desire for greatness often defeats opportunities for goodness. If we're not careful while we're daydreaming about how we're going to impact the world for Jesus, we let our friends and our neighbors and our loved ones and people in our own families go through life wondering what difference is your salvation making in you? Because it should. How can we possibly be the same after accepting Christ as our Savior and being born again? and newness of life in Christ Jesus. Ecclesiastes 9 and 10 declares, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all of your might. Whether you're working in a nursery, taking care of little children, or you're babysitting your neighbor's children, or you're cutting their grass because their lawnmower's broke, or whatever you are doing, that has a positive impact upon their lives. You may be teaching their kids how to catch a baseball, Tommy. If we're doing it for the Lord. If we're doing it for the Lord. Then eventually people will look at our lives. And see that there is something different about us. Ah, yeah, no. Yeah, we're peculiar people. King James vernacular. Never liked that. Never wanted to grow up being peculiar. Probably was, but that was not my desire. I liked it when they realized that the correct translation of that was special people. And then I thought, well, you know, that can be used two ways too. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's special. It's like saying, oh, yeah, they're a character. You're thinking, oh, okay. But the truth of the matter is, we are different if we're born again. But if people don't see that difference, then there's, there's something wrong with the translation from what's in our heart to what's in our mouth and in our life and in our hands and how we live our lives. Because he's called us to make a difference. Can't win the whole world. No, you can't. And that boy couldn't get every one of the starfish on the beach but he made a difference in those that he could reach and those that he was able to make a difference in their lives. Many of you have heard me say a number of times that my whole family came to Christ and, and literally came to the Alliance Church of God in Stark County, Alliance, Ohio, because an old man named Brother Puckett got a station wagon and would drive around neighborhoods and when he would see a bunch of kids playing, he would find out where they lived and, and go to their house and ask their parents, do you go to church anywhere? Would you mind if I pick up your kids and, and take them to church on Sunday? Now, that ministry's over. <laughs> Can't do that these days. But my entire family literally came to church because he would pick up kids and take them to Sunday school. And my oldest sister, who is now uh, glorifying God in heaven, gave her heart to the Lord when she was nine years old. And when the flu epidemic came through town, yeah, we, we've had pandemics before. And our house was quarantined. They brought Sunday school literature to my nine-year-old sister. I wasn't even born yet. Or maybe I was a baby, about to be born. 
And she taught Sunday school in our living room and it so impacted my mother's life that she went to church once the, the pandemic was over, the quarantine was over, and she gave her heart to the Lord. And 12 years later, yeah, 12 long years later, my dad gave his heart to the Lord. And from then on, we were a Christian family. Not just Christian in name. It's not about religion. Most everything I know about religion is bad. Most everything. But a relationship with Jesus is good. It is awesome. It is wonderful. It is powerful. It has changed my life because I've been through some things. You know, My sister being killed wasn't the only tragedy that I've been through in my life. But as we were singing earlier, and I couldn't help the tears flood my eyes, he is faithful. He is faithful. He is faithful. Through it all, he is faithful. But he's also called us to be faithful. Amen. I had an opportunity to preach at a great church here in Ohio several months ago. And the whole reason I got to go to that church, the pastor told me later, the reason I invited you to church was a couple years ago at camp meeting, you came up and prayed for me and my father. You didn't know us, but you came up and prayed for us. And my dad was battling cancer and, and, uh, and he recovered, praise God. He said, but you prayed with such passion for us who you didn't know. He said, I've never forgotten that. And he said, one day I was praying and God just brought that back to my mind and that's why I called you to come and preach and I had the opportunity to share with a whole congregation because I was willing to share with two people. I didn't even know they were ministers. But because I shared with them, God opened up another door. You see, the neat thing about God is that he does reward faithfulness. Amen. But we have to be faithful in the small things. And you can dream big if you want to, but, but don't allow big dreams to become frustrations and keep you from doing what you can do. You can't get back the years that have been lost. They're behind you. None of us can. But we can't take advantage of the years we have left or the months or the days or whatever it is in our life. I don't know when the Lord's coming, but until he comes... He's called us to make a difference, a positive difference in the lives of others. I've often comically thought about the fact that Paul was lowered over a wall in a basket and it saved his life when people were trying to kill him. And I've often thought, I wonder whether it was a man or a woman who weaved that basket had any idea that they were protecting the man who was going to write two-thirds of the New Testament. Because if they hadn't done a good job and he'd have fallen through, he would have fell on the rocks and had been killed. But because they were faithful in their basket weaving, it sounds like a funny ministry, his life was spared. You see, we don't always know how the things we do are going to impact others. But even at work, if we do it as unto the Lord, we make a difference. Can you say amen? Do you want to make a difference?
You're called to make a difference every day for the sake of the kingdom. What we are called to do probably won't make us famous. It probably won't make us popular. We may not even be well known. It may not even be noticed and appreciated by the people that are around us. But God didn't call us necessarily to greatness. He called us to faithfulness. We are certainly not called to greatness in the eyes of man because that's a, that's a problem for sure. I remember when I was in pastoring in Denver, Colorado, there was a man there. He wrote a book after he went to jail called The Man Who Could Do No Wrong. He was a pastor, went to jail for embezzlement. And in his book, he said, I should have known when people put me on a pedestal and said I could do no wrong, I was in trouble because there's only one person that needs to be on the pedestal. Hello? That's, that's, that's Jesus. Don't aspire for greatness. Aspire for faithfulness. Because if you are faithful, God will use you in ways that he determines are great. Not what mankind determines God's calling is a high calling. Particularly important in the days that we're living in because I believe we are living in what the Bible calls the last days. The prophecies of the Old Testament that talked about one day Jerusalem being restored in the last days. That was written before Jerusalem was destroyed. But we know it was destroyed in 70 AD by the Roman army. But the prophecy that Israel would be restored has come to pass in, actually, before I was born. 1947, 1948. I was able to see Jerusalem restored to the rule of the Jewish nation of Israel. And I certainly was alive a couple years ago when the former president fulfilled biblical prophecy by naming Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. Did you know that's, that was a fulfillment of prophecy? And all of those prophecies are about the last days. So how long are the last days going to be? I have no idea. I don't know. But I know we're living in a very special time. And God has called us into his kingdom at this very special time because within us are gifts and abilities that he desires to use to make a difference. In one life, in one family, in one home, in a neighborhood, in a workplace, in a school, in the world that we live in. When I was a kid, we used to sing this little old song, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. You know, the world's taking that song now. They play it at ball games. They play the music. People get up and dance and, you know, carry on. They don't even know what they're dancing to you know let your light shine make a difference in this world God has called us to be his representative body at a time when the world desperately sees and needs to see and hear some good news he said, in those last days, it's going to be terrible times. Hello. We're there. But 
good shepherd. Hallelujah. He's not called us to this time because we're not capable. We are capable if we're called. God's never called anyone to do something they're not capable of. Oh, you may not feel capable. And that's a good thing. People used to say, do you still, you still get nervous when you have to preach after 50 years? Yeah, I do. A little nervous, a little anxious. Why? Because I realize that when I stand there, I'm representing the God I serve. And the things that come out of my mouth need to be the heart of God. And as I stand here this morning, the heart of God is saying, be my people. Don't just wear a t-shirt that says, be the church. Be the church. Be my body. Be my witnesses. I preached a sermon one time. We're a Pentecostal church. I said, but if you're not telling anybody about Jesus, you're not Pentecostal. You can shout and dance and speak in tongues and carry on all you want to. If you're not witnessing for Jesus, you're not Pentecostal because that's what the Pentecostal experience was all about. It's about sharing Jesus with a world who desperately needs him. Christianity is under attack in America. Any of you figured that out? Almost every day, if you look at the news, you see of another Christian school or Christian university or, or Christian business that is being attacked because it's fashionable to be religious, but <laughs> it is not fashionable to represent Jesus. The world doesn't care about gods because they have plenty of them. But when you start representing Jesus, then the world gets upset. But we have a moral responsibility as Christians to be Christ-like and to make a difference. Reaching those who will listen lovingly Sharing the good news with those who may never hear it from anyone else. But should be hearing it from us. Let us press toward the goal of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Come on, worship team. Let me say it again. Let us press toward the goal of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. It is a high calling to serve the Lord, to serve his church, to serve the world that we live in. No matter how insignificant that service may seem. Is it strange to come back to a church you pastored for 27 years? And not be the pastor? No. This is my church. This is my home. You're my family. Hello? I love you. And because I don't stand in the pulpit every week doesn't mean I don't care. I still pray for you daily. I still support you with my attendance and with my finances when I can be here. Why? Because I believe I can still make a difference. 
I don't have to be drawing a salary. Someone asked me, you know, are you a pastor emeritus? They still pay you? I said, nope. I didn't serve you for 27 years because you paid me. As some of you have been around for a long time, know there were some times when that, that was tough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Dennis, keep laughing. I'll never, I'll never forget when you brought me the check for Christmas and said, this is a Christmas bonus, but if you cash it, we can't pay, make the church payment. <laughs> so I gave it back to him. <laughs> oh, those were the good days, weren't they, Dennis? No. <laughs> well, they were good in this sense. We're still here. 30 years later, we're still loving people. We're still reaching people. We're still healing people. We're still helping people. <laughs> it's because of your faithfulness. God just said, encourage them. He's coming soon, church. But we've got a big job to do. Keep sharing in little ways, in small ways. If you can do big things for God, that's great. But don't do anything because you feel like you can't do big things. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be a teacher. You don't have to be a singer. You don't have to be a musician. To share the love of God with people every day of your life. But if you're frustrated because you haven't been able to do big things for God, the devil will cheat you out of what you can do. If you can do big things, go for it. But if you're frustrated, don't stop. Keep doing what God has called you to do. And I would suggest to you, he's called every one of us to preach. You retired from ministry? No, I'm retired from pastoring. I can't retire from preaching. Pastoring is a title, a position. Preaching is a calling. I can't ever stop doing that. I told God, as long as there's breath in my body, I will preach. But he's called every one of you to be his spokesman, to be his witnesses. Keep sharing God's love with this world. They desperately need that especially in the days we're living in now. They need to know because the world has never been more lonely and people have never been more lonely than they are right now. And not just because of the pandemic. Because of the sickness of the world that we live in. But you can make a difference every day. Would you bow your head with me? Father, I've tried to do my best to obey you this morning. There are great people sitting here. And my desire is not to beat them up in any way whatsoever, but to encourage them. Help them to not be frustrated by what hasn't worked out, what hasn't gone their way, what hasn't developed. 
all ministry begins with small seeds. And fruit is precious, large or small. You've called us to be fruitful. Let us experience your love and your joy and your peace because there is joy in not only knowing you, but in serving you. Minister to every one of their hearts and every one of their lives and help them, oh God, to continue to make a difference wherever they can and in whatever way that they can. Whatever their hand finds to do, may they do it with all of their might for the glory of God. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. I'm going to ask the prayer elders to come on up to the front if they will. If you're here this morning, first of all, if you're here and you don't know Jesus, It's more than a feeling, but there's not a better feeling than knowing that you have a relationship with the creator of the universe. Amen. And if you have a need, whether it's spiritual or physical or emotional or relational or financial or whatever it is, if you have a need, God cares. God's concerned about you. And I'm going to ask the worship team to go ahead and lead us in a song. And I'm going to just quietly pray again for just a few moments while these prayer elders are here and while they sing. If you have a need from the Lord, don't walk out of here discouraged. Don't walk out of here frustrated. Don't walk out of here defeated. When God wants your heart to be full of joy. How can we have joy in a time like this? Because every day is the Lord's day. And we can rejoice in that. We don't have to be happy with all of our circumstances. But we can rejoice in who we are, in whose we are, and what that means. So as they sing, if you have a need from the Lord, just come quickly. And let one of these prayer elders minister to you this morning. Would you? How 